Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In Ecclesiastes 7.26, Ecclesiastes 7.26, Solomon said, I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whosoever pleases God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. So Solomon called being caught by one of these women more bitter than death Okay, I don't know how that gets that way, but that's what he said. In other words, he'd rather die. So the woman of Proverbs 7.13, Proverbs 7.13, is said to have caught him and kissed him, like we saw. This is exactly what we're reading here in verse 11, 12 rather, Genesis 39, 12, or verse 12. She caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, we see that after all the friendly persuasion you know, of uh, verse 10, she spake to Joseph day by day. And, you know, Joseph, you're so handsome. Joseph, you're so smart. Joseph, you're so blah, blah, blah. That hasn't worked. So now she turns to a bold attack, a very aggressive bold attack. I mean, Joseph has remained steady at the helm through all of her flattering invitations, Joseph has remained steady at the helm to not give in to a person who is above him in rank, being Potiphar's wife. Joseph has remained steady at the helm to not to give in to his own sexual passions within him. Joseph has remained steady at the helm to not be afraid of making Potiphar's wife angry and resent him by not obeying her. Joseph has remained steady at the helm to stand against her blazing lust. But Joseph is a very sensitive person. He's very sensitive. And he's remained also steady at the helm against the feeling of making her feel guilty. Now, an essential strategy of these type of women is the argument that it's going to be in secret. No one's gonna know. Proverbs 9.17, Proverbs 9.17. She says, stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. In fact, what is done by them is referred to in the New Testament by this word. When it says in Ephesians 5.12, Ephesians 5.12, it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret, in secret. But the Lord said, that's a lie, The Lord said, it's a lie to say what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. He exposes this in Luke 8.17, Luke 8.17, where he said, 
For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. There's a coming day. There's a coming day when people will be judged by what they do in secret, which is what is said in Romans 2.6, Romans 2.6, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now, Joseph, now with Joseph, and now we see her hand on his garment, and it feels like a net in a band, like a snare. And this is what Proverbs says in Proverbs 7.23. It speaks about till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. Joseph, he feels like a bird in a snare. You know, and it says in Proverbs 23.27, Proverbs 23.27, a whore is a deep ditch and a strange woman is a narrow pit. And then it says in Proverbs 22.14, Proverbs 22.14, the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit. He that is the port of the Lord shall fall therein. Now, Joseph knows a little bit of thing or two about pits, right? <laughs> so, he knows very well this terrifying feeling of what it's like to be in a deep pit, a narrow pit. And he feels like, I'm back in the pit. And so as he feels her hand on his garment, he feels the net entrapping him. He feels the hand of his brothers who threw him into the pit. And this snare is now engulfing him. And this pit is now imprisoning him. And when he hears her saying, lie with me, he sees the snake open his mouth and he sees the fang and he sees the venom dripping off the fang. And he makes a split second executive decision. (laughs) He says, I'd rather lose my garment than lose my standing with God. I got a lot more to lose here than my garment. I'd rather lose my garment than lose my soul. Like every person Joseph had sinful lusts. And it was like he saw his garment like his sinful lusts that were entrapping him. And Joseph made the decision, leave my sinful lusts behind and run for my life. And sometimes we need to see ourselves as trapped in a sin that's like the garment that we are trapped in and run from that sin, leaving it behind as Joseph left his garment behind. I mean, Joseph knew he was in danger, and Joseph knew he was in danger for his life, and he knew when to flee. Actually, Joseph was safer in Potiphar's prison than he was in Potiphar's house with Potiphar's wife. And when it says in verse 12 that Joseph fled, it's a picture of what we're told to do. The temptation takes us by like the hand of Potiphar's wife. We're given a promise. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. And we have to remember that the Lord was watching all of this. He was watching the hand of Potiphar's wife lay hold on Joseph's garment, and the Lord made sure, you know what, Lord made sure that morning that Joseph put on a garment that was easy to slip out of. (laughs) That's the faithfulness of God. you know. And he made a way for Joseph to escape. The Lord saw this in advance, and he provided. Okay, this is like the Lord who saw Peter, 
that he was going to be tempted, and the Lord prepared for that, and he told him that his provision of preparation was in Luke 22.31. Luke 22.31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So the Lord saw Joseph, that Joseph had kept himself for the Lord, so now the Lord keeps Joseph from temptation. And that's Revelation 3.10, Revelation 3.10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation which will come upon all the earth. Now, we come now to a very interesting statement at the end of verse 12. And it's interesting when we look at the whole last half of that verse. Verse 12 says, And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. Now, the last part of verse 12 says, uh, He left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So the two words that are interested in this verse here are he and him. He and him. So the first question is, the first question is, who is the he referring to in verse 12? Who is it? That's Joseph, right? Okay, okay. Then the second question is, who is the him referring to in verse 12? That's Joseph, right? And when you put these two together, then you ask the question, well, who got who out? (laughs) Who got who out? Joseph got Joseph out. What verse 12 is teaching us is that there are two parts of Joseph. One part of Joseph is saying, well, now, hold on a little bit here. Let's not be so hasty. Let's not be rash here. Let's listen to what she's got to say. (laughs) Let's see what she's got. Let's see what she's got to offer. She is willing. She is beautiful. She smells nice. You know, I could use a little sweet loving. You know, her arms, they're so inviting. And after all, this is Egypt where things like this are common. You know, no one's here. No one's going to know. Let's just think about this just for a moment. Okay, that's the him part of Joseph in the last four words there. He got him out. Now, that's the him part of Joseph that wants to linger, linger around and consider what she's saying. Now steps in the other part of Joseph, which is the he part. And the he part of Joseph, (laughs) I know you think I'm crazy, doesn't The he part of Joseph says to the him part of Joseph, come on, let's get out of here. You're not going to stay here. Out you go. You know, he got him out. So the he part of Joseph uses his overpowering strength to take the him part of Joseph and gets him out. And that's the message in the last part of verse 12. He got him out. I mean, the picture is just like a Navy SEAL, Navy SEALer. He's supposed to stay out of the bars. And the Navy sailor has just entered into a bar, and who appears? The shore patrol. (laughs) And he lays his hand on him, and he says, okay, buddy pal, out of here, and he got him out. Or the other picture is that of Lot. Lot, having been told by the angels that his city, Sodom, was going to be destroyed in Genesis 19.15, Genesis 19.15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, arise, Take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. 
and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So there's Lot, who the night before has just seen the aggressiveness of these homosexual men in the city trying to violate the angels. And the next morning, the angels tell Lot, you need to take your wife and your two daughters and leave the city and leave everything behind, leave your house behind, leave your possessions behind, leave your friends behind, leave your other relatives behind and get out of the city. It's gonna be destroyed. And then Lot decides to linger. You know, think about it. I mean, Lot is doing the, well, hold on just a minute. Just a minute. Let's not be rash. Let's think about this, what I'm leaving behind. So he's lingering, and it was not just Lot that was lingering. It was also Lot's wife and his two daughters that were all lingering. And then it says in verse 16, Genesis 1916, 1916, Genesis, while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to them, brought them out. While he lingered, they grabbed Lot's hand, they grabbed the hand of Lot's wife, and they grabbed the hands of his two daughters and brought them out of the city. And that was called the mercy of the Lord. When those angels laid hold on Lot's hand, they were saying like the shore patrol, come on, buddy, out of here. And when that happened to Lot, Lot said to himself, oh, yeah, you're right, I'm leaving, and I'm not looking back, and Lot was saved. But the problem was with Lot's wife, who she said to herself, no, this is not right, and I don't want to leave, and I looked back, and she was not saved, and she was turned to a pillar of salt. But the point is, whether it's the sailor and the shore patrol, or whether it's Lot and the angels, these illustrate the two persons he got him out that are inside Joseph, when it says at the end of the verse 12, he got him out. The lingering person who wants to take a second look at sin and the decisive person who says, let's get out of here. And in verse 12, the decisive Joseph got the lingering Joseph out. So just like Joseph, we have a lingering person and a decisive person inside of each one of us. And that's what's referred to in Romans 7.18, Romans 7.18, where it says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which I find the good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So when it says in these verses here in Romans 7.23, Romans 7.23, I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. That's the lingering person, and the law of my mind is the decisive person. The lingering person is trying to bring the decisive person into the captivity of sin. And when Paul looks at this inner conflict that he's got going on between these two persons inside of him, he goes, oh, no, oh, wretched man that I am. You know, 
Where am I going to find help for this hopeless condition? Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, oh, I found the help. I found the help I needed. And then he thanks the helper that he found to deliver him from the body of death. And he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The lingering person inside of us is interested in sin and not interested in God. The decisive person inside of us is interested in God and not interested in sin. And these two persons inside of us are like two dogs that are fighting each other. And the dog that wins is the dog we feed. (laughs) So in the case of Joseph, when it says in verse 12, he got him out, the decisive person won over the lingering person. But the lingering person doesn't die. That's a problem. It, it, It just went through a defeat. But the lingering person always comes back for another fight. And the lingering person is always arguing with the decisive person. So the lingering person is in Joseph argues to the decisive person in Joseph, and the lingering person says, well, what good did that do you to take your stand? Now we ended up in Potiphar's prison. Yeah. Very good, decisive person. You just got us degraded from the highest position in Potiphar's house to the lowest position in Potiphar's prison. A lot of good you did for us you know, like Laurel and Hardy, fine predicament you got us into. What do you got to say for yourself now, Mr. Righteousness? And the decisive person in Joseph replies back to the lingering person in Joseph, yes, but I did not sin. And even though I'm in bondage in Potiphar's prison, I escaped the worst prison of bondage to sin. And even though I made Potiphar angry and I made Potiphar's wife angry, I made God happy. So the decisive person in Joseph says the lingering person in Joseph, it was the better decision. But this argument will keep on going and never stops until he dies. Now, the decision has been made by Joseph to leave his garment behind and save his moral life. Just like Lot has left behind everything in Sodom to save his life. Now the dust is settled, and Joseph is gone, and there stands Potiphar's wife. She's been rejected by Joseph, and she is one angry person. That means that she's described in Proverbs 21.19, Proverbs 21.19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Or for Joseph, it's better to dwell without your garment. Than with them. All right. So Potiphar's wife feels rejected. She's angry. She is bitter at Joseph, and she wants revenge. Revenge. So now she looks for her opportunity. So first she was looking for laying in wait. Now she's looking for her opportunity to, to first she was looking for the opportunity to destroy. Now she's looking for the opportunity for revenge. And there's one word in verse 13 that shows us that she found her opportunity. You see, Verse 13, it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, that was she was fled. The word is saw. She saw that he left his garment in her hand. When she saw that Joseph left a garment in her hand, she said, aha, I've got my opportunity. Now I've got the evidence I need to take revenge on Joseph. So she looks at the garment, she says, perfect. She thinks, this is perfect because I can say that he took his garment off to get ready to force me. So she quickly re-spins the history from herself as the aggressor, which she was, to Joseph, 
to now Joseph becomes the aggressor, and now she needs an audience. So verse 14, then she called the men of their house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and to I cried with a loud voice. So she calls the men of the house together and tells them that she was the one who was doing her business when Joseph sprung on her. Total, total opposite of what happened. And tried to force her. And she says that she cried out with a loud voice. And so she says, Joseph was the one looking for the opportunity when you men were not in the house. And all the men said, yes, we were out of the house. That's right. And she says, just look how when I cried, he got frightened and ran and forgot to take his garment. And we can just see her holding up Joseph's garment. And we can see the men looking at the garment and say, yes, that is Joseph's garment. Right. And then one of the men might say, well, yeah, you know, I did see Joseph running out of the house not wearing his garment. So she had her jury believing a lie. I know a little bit about that. And since the jury of these men had come to the decision, all she needed for was to wait for the judge, Potiphar, to come home to hear the jury's decision. Now, poor Joseph, because he just didn't have a chance. And now all of a sudden, everyone in the house is against him. And now it's another story for why his garment was left behind. He's got that, but no one's listening. They're just condemning him. This is just like the trial of the Lord Jesus when it says in Mark 14, 55, Mark 14, 55, and the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none for many false witnesses against him came, but they'd agreed not together. Then there arose certain and bare false witness against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I'll build another made without hands. So just like Joseph, who had an explanation for why Potiphar's wife had his garment, so the Lord Jesus had an explanation for the meaning of what he said, but he didn't say he would destroy the temple, but that he said when the temple of his body, referring to was destroyed, he'd raise, uh, raise it up in three days. And they said, now we heard him say that he would destroy the temple. And that was spoken against him during the trial. Just as the garment was used to speak against Joseph at Joseph's trial, so the words of the Lord were used to speak against him. This is the second time that Joseph's garment has been used as evidence to support a lie. I mean, the first time was when Joseph's brothers used Joseph's garment, his coat of many colors, and they tore it and dipped it in goat blood and then used it to tell the lie to his father that, look, Joseph has been killed by wild beasts. And at that time, Joseph's garment was used as evidence to support a lie. Well, now again, it's not Joseph's brothers, but it's Potiphar's wife, and she's using Joseph's garment to tell the lie to Potiphar that Joseph had tried to force her. And Joseph watches with no defense as his garment is used as evidence to support a lie. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on here. But, you know, but we're not finished yet. Fortunately, God is not finished yet with Joseph. So let's pray and we'll continue next week. Father, thank you so much for seeing all of this and yet supporting your man, even though he had to go through so much. And we pray, Lord, that, oh, that we might be as Joseph in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.